Hello, and welcome to New Hope Christian Fellowship with Pastor John Gilbert. We read from Isaiah 53, and we know that Isaiah 53 is all about the Lord Jesus, isn't it? It's about him. Uh, it was a prophetic chapter that Isaiah had 700 years before it ever happened. You know, Isaiah 53. And Can you remember when you became a Christian? Can you remember when you became somebody that believes in the words and in the ways and in the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ? Do, do, do those thoughts come easy to you? Can you remember that time when you heard that Jesus is our saviour? You know? That Jesus can forgive you or forgive somebody of their sins. Can you remember hearing that for the first time? Anybody? Right. Oh, thank you, Liam. Thank you. And can you remember where you were when you heard that Jesus is a man of sorrows? Anybody? No, no. Just happened. I was in Radlett in the summer of 1988. Dominic's dad and myself, we went to paint a nunnery. Nunnery, where the nuns live. Paint the house. And again, Mayette sang that beautiful song, In the Garden. And that's where Graham, Dom's dad and myself, we spent a lot of time in their garden. And this is a lovely garden. It's, it's probably about the size of this hall, maybe a bit bigger. And around the garden are like scriptures and sayings um, about Jesus. And there are, one of them is something like, he is the man of sorrows. Maybe this pa pa passage is so long ago, like 30 odd years ago, but I was there and, and when I was in the garden reading these passages of scripture, they got little statues. They're not Roman Catholics, they're like evangelical nuns. But they still, they had a, a, like a statue of Jesus. They're German, yeah. They, they had statue, a statue of Jesus rising from the dead. Right. Oh, right, right, gotcha, 1988. There we go. Thank you, Karen. These nuns, how much time have I got? These nuns, when they were young girls, this is the Evangelical Sisterhood of Mary. So when the Second World War was on, they were living in Darmstadt in Germany and there was an air raid and the British, that's us, were going over and bombing their city, Darmstadt. And there was about 20,000 people there in the city and they were young ladies, 17-year-old girls, and they were praying, Lord, probably like the Ukrainian people in Ukraine, they were being bombed from us British people because of the war 
And they said, Lord, if you spare our life, we will become nuns. We will work for you. We will serve you if you spare our lives. And they were saved. And around them were 12,000 people that had died in one night. Can you believe that? So what they did, I'll just throw this in for a little measure, they dedicated their lives to becoming nuns or sisters and they wanted to show the repentance of Germany, the real Germany, that the Nazis didn't want to do. Does that come across quite clearly to you? There we go. Dom's on the ball there, you see. So I was working there, and when I was there, I discovered that Jesus is the man of sorrows. And you would, if you saw 12,000 people died around you, you would have sorrow in your heart. So here they have, we have uh, sorrow, the man of sorrows, that's Jesus. If we go to verse 4, I'm just going to, it's still early in the sermon, so I say, Lord, please help me and uh, please guide my words today to make sense of this passage of scripture. Verse 4, it's verse 3, let's go from verse 3. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken smitten by God and afflicted. Some people, when they hear of Jesus, they want to hear of the man that turned water into wine. They want to see the man that walked on water. They want to see the man that calmed the storm. They want to see or talk about the man that could feed 5,000 people. He's the Jesus that a lot of people got in their mind. The one who could denounce the Pharisees. The one that could cast out a demon or demons. But the thing is, it left a big impression on me when I discovered he is the man of sorrows. What is sorrow? And do you know the sorrow? Is, is, it's a part of life, isn't it? Yes. Bob could tell us that. Wally could tell us a lot of sorrows, I'm sure. And, and, Mick, and some of you lot, everybody, could tell us about sorrow. Who of us? Huh? Who of us have not known sorrow? I mean, not many of us can remember the day of our birth, can we? Except Liam, all right? <laughs> I don't remember it, but I'll tell you something. When I came out, there was a... Ow! I started crying. And don't you remember that slap which made you cry? None of us do. But when we came out of mother's, our mother's womb, there was a... And it hurt. And it got the lungs moving, didn't it? It got us breathing. Ah! Sorrow. 
upon sorrow from the minute we're born. Eh? Isn't that right? And you grow up, you go through this life, and you experience pain and suffering and rejection. You know, all these, these traumas to our life. And we get to the end of our life, and we're looking over our shoulder, and we're thinking, did I do, did I do everything that I should have done? Or am I going to face sorrow when I meet the Lord Jesus in judgment, you know? I think that he's going to welcome us all into heaven and um, it will be wonderful. But do you know, the passage says that Christ came to bear our sorrows. That's what he did. Jesus experience tremendous sorrow and it's why he's able to comfort us in our sorrows he was he went through the most I mean the crown of thorns on his head alone where he sweated blood didn't he before in fact before the crown of thorns came that was in the garden he was sweating blood just through the agony of knowing what was going to happen to him. Today, I just want us to consider some thoughts about the sorrows of Jesus Christ. Can we do that? We read in verse 3, he is despised and rejected of men. Can you relate to that? People rejected you? People despise you. Rejection. Not nice. We've all been rejected in some way, shape or form. Maybe you were going out with a girlfriend and you were head over heels in love and, you know, you were tiptoeing through the tulips thinking, I'm on cloud nine. And then you ring her up to take her out to the pictures and she says, sorry, I don't want to go out with you anymore. I've got another boyfriend. I'm sure we've uh, experienced motions and feelings of rejection like that, haven't we? And, and maybe some of the ladies on this side of the room, maybe they were some of the ladies that rejected us when we were young. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm just pulling your leg. But you also know the heartache and the pain of relationships when people keep letting you down and upsetting you, it, 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 it just works both ways with all of us, whether we're a lady or whether we are a man. Rejection brings the deepest of sorrows. The love of Jesus, when he came to show the love of God, his love was rejected. He came to preach the truth. He wanted to share the truth of the gospel and the truth of God. And people rejected his truth. He came to preach about the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. And the people rejected that as well. They were happy to eat the bread and the fish. They were happy to drink the water that had turned into wine. 
But when it came to following Jesus and denying themselves and taking up their own crosses, oh, no way. That was too much. So he was rejected. Even his own people, in John's Gospel, the Jewish people rejected him because they didn't want him to be their Messiah or their Christ. He was just Joseph's son from Nazareth, a carpenter, a, a working class man, just like me. He was rejected. They didn't believe in him. He was rejected in Nazareth, wasn't he? He, he, he read a passage from Isaiah chapter 60 in the synagogue and they couldn't believe that it was Joseph's son speaking with such words of grace. And they, they, they took him out of the synagogue and marched him out of the town to the, the a hilltop. They were going to throw him off the hill. That was our Jesus. Well, the religious people, the Pharisees from Jerusalem that had been to the, the theological, pharisaical school of theology, huh? they thought they knew it all. But when Jesus preached, they rejected his message. So the religious people rejected him as well. And he stood before Pilate. He was condemned to death. He was condemned to carrying his cross up to Calvary. And when he did that, the crowd, the crowd rejected him. He had done all these wonderful things. And when it really got down to it, people rejected him. You saved others, and you can't save yourself. Huh? People insulted him. They abused him. They ridiculed him. And he opened not his mouth. Have you suffered? Have you suffered the sorrow? of rejection, like our Lord. The good news is, Jesus knows. And Jesus cares. Isn't that wonderful, Bob? And that's why we're here, isn't it? Because we all know pain, and we all know sorrow, and we all know grief, and we're trying to find someone who can identify with us and can share in our pain and in our sorrow and in our rejection and we find it in Jesus because he cares. Isn't that lovely? Thank you, Lord Jesus. I, I, I mentioned that word grief. It says there in verse 3, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. Are we acquainted with grief? Is it our daily diet? Have we experienced it? Have we shed the odd tear? Have we cried over the the, the suffering that somebody has brought upon us, whether a family member 
or whether an enemy down the street haven't we shed tears because of loss there is grief in life and as much as I love having I love having say for example the, this morning we had rice with a bit of garlic in it what do we call that there? garlic rice garlic fried rice and egg and sausages these are things I love they delight my palate but to have grief every day in your life to, to dream dreams and to aspire to wonderful things yes and yet these things don't happen these dreams get shattered and as a result we're left with grief pain tears Do you know when I was 13, I was turning 13 and I had a stepmother and I had a dad and they had a breakdown in their relationship. My childhood dream was to have a happy family. That's all I wanted. It's not a lot to ask to have a mum, to have a dad and be with my brothers is that too much to ask yet it never happened it was a dream I had and it got smashed it got broken it got abused and I was left with tears there were times when I was happy but then when it all broke down and I was at school and, and I looked around the classroom at school in the second year and I said to myself, do you know what? Not only have I come from one broken home, but I come from two broken homes here in Hemel Hempstead. And that was grief. That was pain. And no one knew my sorrow. Yesterday, we went to South End on the Sea, Mayer and my brother Mark and myself. And it, it, was, it was Mark's post-birthday celebration. And I thought, I'll surprise him. And you know what we did? I drove to Enfield Town on the way to South End. And in Enfield Town is our children's home, where we grew up. I went there, I was four years of age. And Mark was about seven, Shane was about eight. And we lived there for six and a half years. It was our home. And the fact of the matter is, the first day I went there, I cried a river. I cried and I cried and I cried. Why? Because I wasn't used to being shoved from pillar to post. And my dad, who was with us, with a social worker, he didn't know how to say goodbye. And he said to me, and Shane and Mark, your bedroom's upstairs. I thought, eh? How can our bedroom be upstairs? We live in Barkhamstead, in another children's home. How can my bedroom be upstairs? He said, I tell you what, go upstairs and have a look at your bed. Eh? 
There was a monkey lying on my bed. It had plastic hands. I don't know if you remember these monkeys. Its hands were up like that. It was lying on my bed. And I went upstairs with Shane and Mark to go look at this, the bedroom. And there I was looking at this monkey lying on this bed. And I'm thinking, this is my new bed. And then I heard a car start. Rum, rum, rum. There weren't many cars on the road in them days. So I came out to the corridor with Shane and Mark and there was my dad. He didn't know how to say goodbye. He was running down the path to get in that car. It was the social worker's car. And he got in the car, slammed the door and they drove off. I cried. And Shane cried. And Mark cried. And I cried like a baby. Yesterday I went back. And I cried again. <laughs> Dear old Mayette and Mark. Mark, very rare to see him cry. But we went back to our childhood home just to reflect on where we were happy. It, and we walked around the garden where Mark lost his eyesight. And we, we were reminiscing about pain and struggle and sorrow. It was a lot to comprehend. And the tears started to flow. And, but we all have grief. And we all got it. And none of us know how to, to deal with it. We suppress it. We, we tuck it under the carpet or under the pulpit. This is part of life. And we get angry. We get frustrated because nobody can understand us. And nobody can understand what we've been through. Can they? But Jesus knows. Jesus knows. It's in our comfort. He, he knows. Because he knows that life is not normal to a lot of people. I suppose it's because of sin. But he knows how to deal with sin. Doesn't he, Mayette? We sang it in the song. Jesus paid it all. So we have a friend who is acquainted with grief more than we'll ever know. My grief, your grief, in comparison to his grief, is just a little. But his grief is like that. So he can help us. He can show us how to deal with it. How to cope with it. How to give it to him. Because he's dealt with it. Isn't it wonderful? The best thing we can do is bring our grief and bring our sorrow to the Lord Jesus. Because he knows how to cope with it. As I said, he is the friend that will never let you down. Our friends here Sad to say, they will let us down. We experienced the grief of, I don't know, sometimes you lose a loved one, don't you? 
the last loved one we lost was dear old Jeff. Remember Jeff? Without his legs, coming here for three years or so before he passed away, he was so lovely to us. And I didn't realise at the time he was so encouraging. He never moaned and he never complained. He was so encouraging, that man. And yet, if anybody knew grief, it was him. Lost his legs under that train. He knew what grief was. And the pain and the sorrow that went with everything that happened after that. But, as I say, that's why Jeff also believed in Jesus. Because Jesus is acquainted with grief. You know, it's interesting, when we think of Jesus, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the one who was sitting enthroned in majesty, and we, we study the Bible, we study the theologians, and we discover that he laid aside his majesty and decided to come down to planet Earth and be born where? Oh, in a stable. Not the Lister Hospital in Stevenage. Not Shrodell's in Watford. Is it Shrodell's in Watford? You choose a hospital with lovely, clean sanitation. Yes, not the Lord Jesus. It's great to be born in a stable, isn't it? Dear Mary and Joseph, trying to make everything nice. My point is, he did not insulate himself against grief. His life, he embraced it. And what about when one of his friends died? What did, how did he feel about it? Well, Lazarus was a friend. And Lazarus got ill. And Lazarus died. And what did Jesus do? He wept. The King of Kings. The Lord of Lords. Weeping over a lost friend. Amazing. Isn't it? And then he went to, we talked about this last week, he ascended up to Jerusalem. And this was the city, the, the holy city. He went there. And they rejected him. Apart from those that believed in him, his disciples and his followers, they took their clothes off and they laid it on the floor, they laid it on the donkey, didn't they? But the religious people, as I've said already, they rejected his message. He shed tears. He shed abundant tears because they missed the day of their visitation. How sad is that? He was acquainted with grief. Because of his experience, because of his experience, he knows... He knows how to cope. He knows how to handle our grief. It's not a comfort. It's a comfort to all of us. We can bring our deepest griefs to him. Eh? Hey! That's a comfort. That'll put a smile on your dial, won't it? Yes, it will. Mary Magdalene he cast seven demons out of her. He turned her life around. She was a sinful lady. 
She came to him. She got forgiveness of sins. She broke the alabaster jar. Didn't she? And he forgave her. He knew what sort of lady she was. And because he took her for what she was, he never exploited her, did he? Like most men she knew. Hey. She loved him. She was devoted to him. Even Mary of Bethany, the sister of Martha, would come and sit at his feet. They knew he was a real man. He knew how to love people in a genuine sense. Mary Magdalene on the morning of the resurrection. Do you remember? Can you imagine the love they had for him? And where would you go? She had grief. Grief of loss. Grief of, of, of her dreams being shattered, like I've said already. She, she had grief upon grief. And where did she go? To the tomb. To the tomb where he, his body lay. Well, she thought it laid there. And what did he do? And he saw her weeping. Well, she thought he was the gardener. And this is interesting. I've been thinking about it. He came to her. He came because she was grief-stricken and she was broken and her love was battered and shattered. Her dreams were the same, shattered and battered. But he came. What did he come for? To bring comfort. To bring comfort. He came. And if you feel like Mary, he'll do exactly the same. Isn't it lovely? That's Jesus. You can't speak of any religious leader that would do the same. Because it's just unheard of. Isn't it? He is waiting. He waits now for us to come to him. We're here this morning. He knows we're here and he just wants to comfort and love us. Even while he's sitting on the throne of his grace. Here and now. Lovely. I'll read you a verse from Hebrews. And it's Hebrews 4.16. And I'll be very quick. You don't have to go there because I'm going to go there and move on. But it says here in 4.16 Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Isn't that comforting? Whatever griefs we know, whatever griefs we've experienced, we can go to him boldly because of what he's done for us in a time of need and in a time of help. And he will comfort us. And he says, doesn't he? 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9. My grace is sufficient for you. Wherever you go through, wherever you arrive, wherever you're going, his grace is sufficient for you. That's our Lord Jesus. Let me move on quickly. He suffered. It says in verse 3 of Isaiah, it says we hid, as it were, our faces from him. What a thing.
nothing to say. If you was on the Via Dolorosa in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago and the Lord Jesus was walking up those steps carrying his cross, how would you respond? What would you do? Would you hide your face from him? As he's carrying that cross up that hill, up those steps to Calvary? Isn't it hard? And, and, and I think there's a passage of scripture where some women, they got his attention and they were weeping. They were weeping. And he, I mean, I'm paraphrasing this because it's on my mind, it's in the corridor of my mind somewhere. And he, he said to them, daughters of Jerusalem, don't weep for me, weep for yourselves. Because the days are coming when this city, I'm paraphrasing, is going to be torn down. Don't weep for me. Weep for yourselves. He is carrying his cross. He's dealing with his own griefs and his own sorrows. What's tough? And the thing is, it says in the, the passage of the prophet, it says, we hid, as it were, our faces from him. That's what the passage says in the prophet. And that's like he's coming up the hill carrying his cross and the people are going... They don't want to look. They don't want to look. They don't want to take responsibility. They don't want to get involved. A bit like Pilate washing his hands in the water. I've got nothing to do with this. But we're all involved. Jesus, he wants us to follow him. He wants us to carry our crosses. Are we prepared to do that? To deny ourselves, take up our cross and say, Lord Jesus, I'm with you. I'm not going to hide my face from you. Can we do that? Yeah, John, we got he had three disciples. They were the inner circle. Wherever he went, they went. Peter said, Lord, wherever you go, I'm coming. Whatever you do, I'm doing. Even if you die, I'm going to die with you. He went to the garden, Gethsemane, on, on the Thursday before the Good Friday, and he prayed, and they prayed. What happened? They fell asleep. Oh, yeah, we'll be there, Lord Jesus. <sighs> Falling asleep. But he said to us, Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation that's what we got to do we got to be alert don't hide our face from the Lord Jesus stay alert that's what we need to do when he was arrested in the garden what happened to the disciples they all run away what would we do are we going to run away? Well, if they did it, I'll bet we would do it too. I'm sorry to say it, Bob, I think you're right. Even though you're going to find it hard to run, I bet you still run. I'm sorry to say that, Bob. 
when those soldiers start coming with their spears and their clubs and all of them, loads of them, and we see them arrest Jesus, we see the chains and the handcuffs and they start binding him up. What are we going to do? So I'm with him. I'm putting my neck on the line. Big mouth. Peter. I'm sorry we'll run away. Because we're trying to save our own neck. That's what the disciples did. When Jesus was arrested, and they took him before the high priest, yes, and they said, tell us now, are you the Christ? Huh? He was on his own. Oh, everyone deserted him, and there he was. It is as you say. And they, I mean, he was so angry, he tore his clothes with his bare hands. That is anger. For he said, you will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds, didn't he? He said something like that. And that's when he tore his clothes. Our Lord Jesus was faith forsaken and he was left on his own. And do you know what is amazing? The Bible tells us because he was left on his own and he knows that we, he love, we love him and he knows that we want to follow him and do you know what is so amazing about this? Even though he was left on his own he says to the, us lot and the disciples I am with you always even until the end of the age he will never leave us on our own but yet our brothers and sisters I'm not saying the sisters, they were near the cross, weren't they? But Peter, James and John and all the twelve, all of, they run. But with us, he will not leave us on our own. And he said to them, when they were having the, um, the Last Supper, he said to them, I will not leave you comfortless. I will ask the Father and he will bring a comforter, the Holy Spirit, and he will be with you to comfort you. See, he's not going to leave us on our own. And when you're upset, when you're down, when everything is going against you, he's going to be there. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. He says that in Hebrews 13. Let me read this one. 13 what? 13 5. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son that comes to him. Is that 13 5? No. That's 12, 5 and 6. There it is. Dom's got it. Let your manner of living be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Even though he was forsaken. Isn't that a comfort? And that make our, us happy? We, we want to rejoice? 
Come bless the Lord, you servants of the Lord, who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Bless the Lord. It's a comfort to our hearts that even though the gospel story, it rocks us to the core. It stirs up every emotion in us. But yet, when we get to the end of it, we can rejoice and be happy because we know he's paid it all. He's done it all. He's gone and done it all. Come there and done this, done that. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Christ has carried our sorrows. If he has carried our sorrows, why? Why should we carry them around with us ourselves? That's got me thinking that. If he's carried our sorrows, why should we beat ourselves up and hang on to them? Well, sometimes we feel sorry for ourselves. I'm just amazed by this. We go through life carrying our own sorrows. Woe is me. I've been through this. I've been through that. I've been through the other. Yet Jesus is carrying our sorrows for us. I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I'm trying to get my head around that. Maybe he just wants us to let go. Let go of things. Say, Lord, I can't carry this burden anymore. Can you carry it for me? It's a good thing to hear the gospel. It's a good thing to, to, to focus on this time of year and remember what our Lord Jesus has done for us at the cross reflecting on what Isaiah says you know we think oh yeah Jesus forgive us for our sins I'm happy we're going to heaven we got our free ticket to get to heaven but there's so much more to the message about the pain and the sorrow of the things that we've experienced he wants to heal our hearts he wants to take the griefs and take the sorrows that we can be whole again, born again, made new, and fit for the purpose of helping other people that are also suffering. Can we do that? Lord, we do come before you. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you that you were able to carry our sorrows, carry our griefs, take the pain and the disappointments away from our lives we do thank you Lord you are everything to us and we know that you laid down your life for us help us Lord help us to honour you and to lay down our lives for you in a likewise fashion we do pray these things in your holy name Amen Thank you for joining us today. We meet at Grove Hill Community Center at 11.30 p.m. in Hemel Hempstead. God bless you.